0: Listening to the Writers' Forum. I'm your host, Mike Tusa, and today we're going to be making a nice detour from our usual interview of writers. I'll be speaking with photographer Gene Ambo about his new book of photographs of different bands over a 40-year period titled Heavy Metro. Gene's photographs have appeared in hundreds of magazines, on television shows, and documentaries. Welcome to the show, Gene. Hi, how are you? Good. Well, let's start off, if I can, with you explaining the title of the book, "Heavy Metro." Uh,
1: well, the the title comes from obviously uh, the Metro is a venue in Chicago, really well known. It's been around for I think they're having their 40th anniversary this year, and I my specific interests were more of the heavier bands that appeared there: punk, hardcore heavy metal, more on the heavier rock side of things or things that I felt were kind of more interesting. So I labeled that as, quote, heavy. So Heavy Metro was my choice of bands that I shot at the Metro.
0: Okay. Now, the book is full of photographs of bands that played at the Metro. But but tell us what the purpose of the book is and where the revenues from the book will go.
1: Initially, we... Um, we're going to do, I wanted to do uh, a benefit to do a pause or some kind of animal uh, thing with a photo gallery at the uh, G Man, which is the bar next door, of photos from the Metro. Uh, unfortunately, COVID had come up and um, things didn't work out for that. So I was talking to my friend Jeremy Wagner, who's a publisher, and he had come up with an idea of maybe doing a book. So I talked to Joe Shanahan, who's the owner of the Metro. And we thought you know this would be a good thing to do, so I decided to put it together, and some of the proceeds go to the independent stages uh music fund and um which kind of just distributes money to all the people who were kinda of out of work during covid and and helps all the independent stage owners, which are very few now, um, yeah, yeah most of the places are owned by conglomerates like Live Nation and these big companies and uh Joe and a handful of other guys that just maintain their independence. So, want to support that.
0: Well, you know, music, is, as you obviously know, is very big down here in New Orleans, and we have some similar things where there are various funds that arose, especially during COVID, uh, to help musicians who weren't getting gigs anymore and to set them up to play online. So this is a really worthy cause, folks, if you're, if you're listening. Well, Gene, how did you get involved in photography in the first place, and, and, in, and in particular then photographing bands at live events?
1: Well, I was actually hanging out with a friend of mine in you know, high school, and he was taking photo classes, and I ended up just kind of hanging around him and picked up a camera, and I started just uh, getting involved in darkroom actually first, and then I started taking my own photos of, you know, graveyards, lake scenes, uh, L tracks, and skyscrapers, and girlfriends, and then I started shooting my friends' bands, at rehearsals and whenever they would play out and i thought that was to me more interesting and it kind of i wanted to get my friends photos to look like the magazines that i was buying so i kept practicing and uh, you know eventually the things just kind of fell into place
0: well you know it's interesting because it's every time i see a photograph of a band um it, and you know especially the good ones you wonder what the photographer is thinking when he takes this or she takes this picture and how they capture that particular moment. So I don't know how you can explain this, but can you explain when you're sitting there watching the band how you know this is the moment? Let me make sure I get this. Let me get this picture.
1: Uh, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. I mean, the whole business is hurry up and wait. You're waiting for the artist. You're waiting for time, sound check, whatever have you. But uh, even when you're actually shooting live and there's all this stuff going on, it's, you know, you have to center out where the best light is, what the best part of the performance is, and then you have to kind of focus in on the the person himself and wait till they're doing something other than just singing into the mic. You want to have some kind of expression, some kind of, you know, more, more than just, A picture of them standing there smiling.
0: Do you do you know? So you're you're shooting a band, okay? And I assume you're shooting hundreds of pictures, maybe or dozens of pictures. Do you know after a particular picture that you take? Okay, I think that's going to be the one, or is it?
1: Oh, oh, yeah. You there's usually like uh, I'll shoot in burst uh, if I can, because a lot of the stuff I shoot is very active, really quick motion. Uh So I'll shoot when I can see a shot forming or something coming up, I'll stay on it, and then I'll, you can usually tell by the motions or what they're going to do, and uh, I just start shooting right before that, and then try to follow the frame through. So when you're actually shooting, when you don't see it, Mm -hmm. that's when you're getting it, because the shutter's closed, and it's actually capturing. So the beauty nowadays is you can just go back instantaneously and look back and see your instant results, but in the old days, you couldn't do that. So uh, yeah, it's a little different. It was a lot harder in the old days. But now, the, on, the, on the other hand, in the old days, when you pulled the trigger, there was no delay. With digital photography, there's a slight delay. So right. even when you think you have that shot digitally, it could be a millisecond later, which is a different shot.
0: Well, and this may sound like a silly question, but for folks that are listening who probably always take pictures now, especially with our phones, What's the, what's the biggest difference between photographing a band in a concert hall and the photographing of still shots and things that most people do with their friends?
1: Uh, well, well, the thing about phones, which actually is really great, is they have all the programs because everything is digital now. So when I shoot a show with my uh, heavy cameras, I have to download them and then put filters or put them through Photoshop and do all these things. Your iPhone actually does that for you now. And like and candid shots, like uh, things like that, party scenarios, rooms of just people together, or even if you have you're close up. I mean, those are great, great photos in general because the, the programs do all the adjustments for you,
0: you know? Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the bands and, and some of the stuff that you did. When you would go, and maybe this changed over time, when you would go photograph a band at the Metro. Did the band know you were ahead of time that you were going to be photographing them?
1: Initially, when I started out, that's how I started, because I was a fan, and I was probably more or less their age, and we were kind of just hanging out, drinking beers, and sharing good times. <laughs> and I would pull out a camera and start taking some photos, and nobody really thought anything of it. And there, there wasn't a, a press office or a publicist for these most of these bands. They were... You know, D R I suicidal. They were young kids cruising around the country in a van with a U Haul of gear and you know, a couple hundred T shirts to pay the bills. So
0: And you weren't that uh, they
1: didn't have a, they didn't have all that. And I would just show up and start taking photos, but eventually I would send them to magazines and the next time they would show up they would remember that, Oh yeah, this guy took photos and now they're in Kerrang. Yeah. Or they were in some magazine uh-huh. somewhere so well, I was kind of remembered for that.
0: Good. Well, So you'd speak to him ahead of time, I'm assuming, once this thing got rolling. Did you ever have a band or a bandmate tell you, now listen, there's some things you're not allowed to photograph?
1: Oh, yeah, there's there's a lot of restrictions. I mean, uh, and as time's going on, artists have gotten even more and more restrictive about access. And, you, you know, sometimes it's in respect that they don't want to mess with their fans you know their fans spent hundreds of dollars to get these front row seats and now you got photographers out there in front of them and you know people don't dig that Pearl Jam example they don't want people in the front of their show you know which is I I totally respect that you know so but on the same hand they're selling tickets for $750 so we're we're the line, you know?
0: right? Right. Well, let me let me make my question a little more specific. So, um, th- I understand that not being in front of the folks there, but did you ever have them tell you and can you give us some examples of what you could not photograph?
1: Um, you know, it, when it gets like that, I don't really think they've ever had that kind of restriction, okay. Of uh, you know, like don't shoot this. Axel was probably one, but they would just not let photographers in. I think when it got to that point where people were really concerned about image, they would ask for photo approval. So you could shoot whatever you wanted, but you couldn't send it out until they approved it. Ah. You know what I mean? And that's where uh, in the 90s that got to be a real thing,
0: you know. And so that's curious and interesting. So they would basically have a prior approval on anything before it could be sent to a magazine.
1: Right. There was a whole, a whole process. You had to share back then, you know, you had to develop the film. So you would shoot a show. It didn't work very good for, um, assignments with deadlines because, uh, you had to shoot it, process the film that took at least 12 hours, usually overnight. And then you'd have to FedEx it to the publicist or the management company. Somebody there would either do the approval who, generally didn't know what they were looking at they would just go with what they thought was good and um, uh now sometimes they would even send it to the artists themselves which took even longer and you know so it took a week to get them back sometimes you never got them back sometimes they just evaporated and how
0: does how does how you know yeah how does the ownership of that photograph work so you take a picture of Pearl well, Jane I own
1: it all, okay. and you know, and, and that's that's the thing is I own all my work, everything I shoot. I have always retained all the rights on it, um, and I just license out uh, the usage for things. I got you. So,
0: all right, so yeah. now your photographs and the photographs in this book, which are really amazing, cover a forty-year period. So you are witness to. You know the early days of the metro through all these different music genres metal punk, new wave grunge did did talk to us a little bit about how, if at all, the change in the genres affected your photography or how you took po- photographs or what you took photographs of
1: Well, when I was younger, I was a lot uh, more agile and uh, <laughs> probably a lot you know, more stupid and drunk and didn't really care, uh, you know, about going into a a mosh pit with a chair and standing on it for a couple, for a song or a couple of shots. And then I'd jump out and now I would never do that because, you know, it's, you know, I'm too old, but um, it's just not a healthy thing anymore. Uh, And uh, just the whole you know, back then there were a lot. Uh, the fans were really more aggressive. It seems like okay. Uh, yeah,
0: was that uh, more? Were, was that more so in one period than like punk or whatever?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. It? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, the early '80s and the early '90 punk days at the Metro were some of the most active environments I've ever been around in my life. I, you know, it was just. But it wasn't an anger, it wasn't fighting, it was just a lot of uh, slam-dancing and a lot of mm-hmm. stage-diving and uh, a lot of drinking and a lot of head-banging and everybody knew everything and everybody was, you know, I mean, there were fights, obviously, you
0: yeah, know. But. Yeah. All right, so look, you, and the book has some of these pictures, you've photographs of Motorhead and Metallica. Iggy Pop, a little footnote, I saw Iggy Pop at uh, CBGB's many, many, many years ago. Uh, Yeah,
1: that's an interesting little room. It is.
0: Who was the first big-name band that you photographed at the Metro, if you recall?
1: That would be Motorhead, which is where I start off the book with Motorhead, because that is uh, my first real, you know, uh, locally— uh not the first thing I shot Chicago but one of the first bands that I did at the Metro that I, I had a little inside pull with and, you know, I was backstage kinda hanging out and was introduced to Lemmy early on and uh yeah, I was Motorhead and, and at that time there was uh a lot of that stuff building up. You know, Motorhead and Metallica was on with Raven and mm-hmm. Merciful Fate, Exciter, Megadeth and You know, it was a very exciting time for heavy and thrash metal, and it was a a melding of metal and hardcore coming together, so there were both kinds of people at the shows back then,
0: lots. Well, you mentioned Lemmy, okay? All of us who know anything about music recall there are numerous stories about things that Lemmy of Motorhead did on stage, which we can't discuss in this show, but rock fans also know the story of Ozzy Osbourne supposedly biting the head off of a bat on stage. What, what were some of the strangest things you saw a band do on stage? Oh,
1: God. Uh, I mean, there was stuff like, uh, stuff I'd seen that I didn't have a camera for, like G.G. Allen at exit was kind of interesting. But um, I think, like, probably one of the things I, live things, I think, you know, when Ozzy was doing a Black Sabbath thing and he had this fire hose and he was, Shooting the tops off of all the girls in the front row, he was just relentless <laughs> with it. You know. So, uh-huh. All right. Uh, anything yeah.
0: else? Anything? Anything? And
1: the, well, the Beastie Boys at the Aragon was quite a uh, spectacle. You know, they just had—they were still in their outrageous phase, and uh, they were still kind of being teenage kids and they had a pallet of beer on stage and kind of these girls they invited and they were just kind of hosing them down with beer and, dry humping them. It was, you
0: know, I was you. stuff right. they don't like to talk about now. So. All right. All right. So, you know, the book is called Heavy Metro, and we talked about, you know, thrash metal and stuff. You've mentioned it. But, you know, I saw that you have photographs of like Frank Marino of Mahogany Rush and Gary Moore, the the blues guitar player, Blue Oyster Cult, Red Hot Chili Peppers, even Tom Jones and Jack Bruce of Cream fame. And folks, these are pictures are all in there. How did the crowds change with with these different genres of music? I mean, I'm assuming a Tom Jones crowd is not the same as a Black Flag crowd.
1: Well, yeah, actually, you'd be surprised at how many retro people are into Tom Jones. And, and, you know, the the punk people kind of look back at that as an interesting part of life. And there's also that group of girls that just want to go there. You know the skater girls, and they just want to throw their tops up on on the stage too, and be part of that culture. Um, you know, I think Tom Jones is just kind of a cool dude, so I think he just <laughs> kind of fit into the whole thing. But uh, yeah, each show has you know commands a different uh, different audience. Obviously, you're not going to have the same uh, Pete Shelley fans are not going to be at the Metallica show, and vice versa. Pete Shelley fans don't really headbang and over drink, so. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a different environment, but they're all um, they're all all at the Metro, and it was all a, a really great room to see all these different kinds of bands. And now, the, the here's room a, covered everything.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it, and your book does as well. I'm curious. So, you're you're there to photograph. Are you listening to the music as you're photographing, or is it just kind of yeah, in the sometime. background?
1: When you're really shooting, uh, really focusing, and really getting into it, you kind of don't hear the music unless you know it, and then you kind of expect points in the song, and that's where you go to shoot those points, because you know there's going to be a break, a maneuver, some, something's going to happen, you know, a lead, whatever, Uh But when you don't know the stuff you're just kind of focusing on the light positioning and all that other stuff i kind of do tune it out actually
0: okay i saw that you have a photograph in there of black flag and i know they've had different singers but is that a young henry rollins shirtless in the picture
1: that is uh henry and with the original band at the uh at the metro and uh, I had actually had a really hard time finding the original negatives for that. Um, I had a couple moving experiences that didn't always work out, and I think <laughs> they were part of that uh, okay. bad experience. But anyway, I've been looking for these prints forever, and I made a few blow-ups, you know, in the day. And uh, at the time, uh, Henry stayed at my roommate and I's house.
0: Mm. And I
1: gave him a couple of these prints because he was there, you know. Right. And uh, so I couldn't find the negatives. And after searching for about three years, I finally just called Henry, and I wanted to use the DVD um, permission to use the DVD in the book that I had shot at the Metro that we had shot for him years back. And and talking about that, I mentioned these photos that I had shot, and he had the originals. Oh wow! Uh, that I printed for him, so he scanned those copies. Are from his photos that I shot and gave to him like thirty years ago, you know?
0: Wow! Well, well. you know, Ralph- so he
1: scanned them and sent them back to me, which was really, really cool. Yeah, he is, he is just like you know the Godfather. Of- all things heavy
0: you know well you know he's an extremely bright guy um did did you ever speak i love his
1: tv shows (laughs) yeah
0: yeah did you ever spend speaking of him did you ever spend time talking with the bands or was there once you got there kind of the wall between you and them because you're the photographer
1: you know that was the thing i was always at the metro it's such an intimate space and you know uh when I was shooting, I was kind of just hanging out, kind of like a fly on the wall, stealing beer, eating food, sitting in the corner taking pictures. But like I said, most of these guys were kind of my age, and we all identified with each other. We could all relate. So we all kind of became casual friends. And then after years of touring and seeing them over and them seeing their photos in magazines, we kind of became closer and closer as many of them as time went on. So it's been a really uh, great I've had a great ride. I've been very lucky.
0: Did any of that change as you got older and the band members were still younger?
1: Well, no, I ended up, you know, we all got older. I mean, um, (laughs) you know, yeah, everybody just got older. There just got to be uh, less excitement backstage. I got you. It, It went back from partying and all that to everybody literally sitting in circles on their phones. Yeah, and 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 that's what it is. You know, it's just like a coffee shop now.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm listening to you say this. It sounds like, besides this being a chronicle of the metro, this is something of a chronicle of your own life, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I as I was going through these photos, it kind of you know I'm not one for great memory, and it kind of puts me reminds me of where I was in. 1987, you know, April, whatever, you know, and yeah. I'll, every now and then I'll, I'll go look at the slide, the day and on it, just so I know where I was, because I can't really keep track of all that. Place at so, the time.
0: Yeah. Well, let me yeah. ask you this. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. You know, this book ph- of photographs, again, as we've said, covers a 40 year period. So you've been the witness to a sea change in music. Now I'm old enough and grumpy enough to sometimes say there really has been no good music since 1975 but how would you characterize the changes to the music that you saw at the Metro from the early 80s to now good bad and different what
1: I think I think well obviously I think in the 80s there was so much cutting edge fresh attitude brand new kind of theories and uh sounds bring brought to, brought to the stage and it was uh, a completely new age other than the british wave uh, which i identify with the british Wave of heavy metal um the metro was uh, a complete interactive crossover between punk hardcore and everybody was aggressive i think everybody was a little more aggressive everybody really wanted to prove their point uh there seemed to be more of a camaraderie between bands back then. Now it's a little more competitive. I think money has a lot to do with it. It really sucks, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I think there was just for me. I just appreciated the kind of music that was being created back then a little more than the stuff now. I think now things are a little more commercial. Uh, it's just uh, yeah, with, it just and- seems a little little more tribe
0: now yeah well some of that is some of that change because the bands you were photographing especially in the in the early 80s and that when you started these are bands that really weren't necessarily well known so they're you know they're just trying to put together they're they're artists at that point they're not commercial commodities right right yeah and so there's a little bit more authenticity at that point i'm guessing
1: yeah, well, they didn't have the responsibility of a record company commanding what they're allowed to and to not say. They're, they don't have to follow the producers, you know, whatever formula it is to make the the perfect drum beat for radio. You know, there was none of that crap going on. It was just, pure you know, good lyrics, good power, good songs, and people were into it. And most of those bands... Weren't created through our companies. They were created through fan based tape trading, and touring, and you know, busting ass in the road, and just word of mouth. You yeah, know, suicidal so yeah, yeah. dri, corrosion conformity. You never saw them on the cover of hip parader. You
0: right. know,
1: they were they were non-existent in the press until they were almost ten or twenty years old.
0: Yeah, they were kind of built from the ground up, right?
1: Yeah, it was a very grassroots you know.
0: All right. So I got, um, we're going to run out of time here in a second. I got two more questions for you. One of them I'm going to, I'm going to just stump you, hopefully. What was your favorite band to photograph? Ever? Yeah.
1: I I would have to still go with Metallica because they were one of my favorite bands all time. I mean, uh, I kind of got in on the ground floor of that, that world and, uh, I've never been disappointed with, with the photos they let me get and the show I've gotten to see. And uh, okay. to me, I mean, they, they, they're not like they used to be. Like, again, they've grown. We all grown. So they don't play crazy fast all the time. But I can appreciate everything they're still doing. So that's, right. that's probably one of my all-time
0: favorites. All right. Well, since you mentioned Metallica, in the liner notes to the book, at the end of the book, you make mention of the fact that the Metro, you know, is an institution in Chicago, and you refer to something that Metallica did to help it out. Tell us about that. Yeah,
1: um, the publisher, Jeremy, thought that would be important to include <laughs> that they did their last—they did a show here recently uh, to help commemorate the 40 years at the Metro. But it, it was a show that—I yeah, think it was 35 years, I don't know, some— they had come back and done all these old venues they did when they were just starting out, and they worked with a uh, food shelter here, a food kitchen, and donated. I think like you know thirty thousand dollars of the proceeds right. from the show and all the merchandise sales towards that, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, Gene, that's all the time we have for today. Folks, you've been listening to the Writers Forum, and I've been speaking with photographer Gene Ambo about his new book of photographs titled Heavy Metro. Gene, is there a website or other social media that folks can go to to find out more about you or about the book?
1: Yeah, I have an Instagram, Gene Ambo Photo. I have a uh, Facebook, Gene Ambo Photography. Uh, The book is available at the Metro, uh, Brick and Mortar, and it's available on their website. And I believe it's also available on the Stygens Sky, my publisher's website. So if you Google it, and it should be on the Amazon Marketplace.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. And Ambo, folks, is A-M-B-O. Gene, thanks so much for being on the show.